Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We get to travel the world again today. I, I want to say it's coincidence, but we know that it's the Lord's work that we get to talk with two sacred music educators in one week. Um, how Pretty awesome cool. is that? Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. We get to talk to, with another one of our sacred music educators today uh, who serves in French-speaking West and Central Africa. Yes, we're talking about Cantor Magnus and excited about that. Uh, thanks so much to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Philip Magnus, sacred music educator serving the Lord in French-speaking West and Central Africa. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Bonjour. Welcome back. Uh, You you. recently were able to travel and spend some time with our brothers and sisters in Christ in uh, various parts of West and Central Africa. Um, And and what's unique about the people you serve, primarily French-speaking Africa, right? Well, that's correct. My call is to teach the Lord's song, uh, teach him psalms, uh, spiritual songs among our brothers and sisters and our Lutheran uh, congregations, uh, our uh, church partners and what we call our mission partners. That means churches we're not in fellowship with at this time, emerging church bodies or churches that we're developing relationships with, um, using uh, mostly songs and hymns from the French language edition of the Lutheran Service Book, which was produced by the Lutheran Church Canada, Liturgie et Cantique Lutherienne, which we call the Blue Hymnal or the Blue Collection in French, Le Recueil Bleu, and because um, it's a beautiful French blue on the cover. So um, that is the uh, primary resource that we use, though we do have some supplemental things that we use as well. Um, and so uh, for my previous interviews uh, with KFUO. I've kind of told a little story how I got roped into this, but yeah, the Lord the Lord uh, uses all your past experiences and uh, puts them together um, and calls you into service. So I studied French when I was younger and um, like French language and culture, I kind of moved away from that as I went into a music career in the church. Uh, and then it just so happened that um, I kind of discovered why, um, why I had this uh, uh, interest in the French language because uh, the Lord had plans for me. So now I now I teach our, our hymns in French. Uh, uh, the majority of Af- majority of African countries in the uh, central and western um, parts of the continent are French speaking. A lot of people don't know that, but yeah, French. Uh, when the French lost most of their colonial empire in North America and the Caribbean. Uh, they went about establishing one in Africa, and they had uh, they had quite the extensive. Uh, uh, region and then after World War One they took over most of the German colonies and so anyway we have many French speaking uh, brothers and sisters in Africa they uh, they grow up speaking and most unless they're urban dwellers they uh, and educated urban dwellers because even in the in the cities it's tribal languages in the, in the homes uh, they grow up 
at first in their homes with their with their langue maternelle, their tribal language, but the uh, uh, the French language is what unifies the countries because then often you're, you're having three, four, five, six, seven languages in a different country. Hmm. So the newspapers, the radios, the schools, it's all in French. And then when you go to church, um, some places it's exclusively in French. Paros uh, Wittenberg in Pointe Noire is mostly in French uh, with the occasional announcement in Kituba. And, uh, but then other places, um, you will have um, the uh, bilingual service, so a reading in French and then the reading repeated in Lingala, for example, or, or if you're in Togo, repeated in Moba. And uh, some people uh, look like, yeah, those Africans, they're just, you know, they're so full of, uh, full of faith and fervor. They have these two and a half hour services. Well, they are full of faith and fervor, uh, but part of the reason church lasts longer there is because you're having to do a lot of things twice, including the sermon. <laughs> How has the pandemic affected your work there over the last year? I imagine travel has been close to impossible for most of that time. So what what, what has been the impact of, of the last year or so on your work overseas? Well, thank you, Sarah. The pandemic uh, moved a lot of my work online uh, last year, and there was a bit of a what the missionaries call a year of grace, just the acknowledgement that there was going to be uh, somewhat less work. Um, I um, even was, you know, the pandemic got in the way of doing my uh, support raising um, with uh, some of the travel restrictions uh, in terms of traveling around and making presentations in the country. But uh, the Lord opened up avenues. I, I looked for uh, open red states that uh, would let me come and make presentations in the summer. And I uh, uh, inaugurated some projects, including one we're going to talk about later, uh, writing catechism songs in French, doing some collaborations with uh uh, a couple of uh, friends uh, who are, you know, Africans who are helping me um, compose uh, songs um, that will resonate uh, among Africans. Um, so, you know, French, uh, the, the catechism in French uh, with uh, sturdy melodies and um, um, yet the uh, kind of uh, repetition and rhythm and certainly following the patterns of French. Uh, Africanized French speech. Uh, so I'll talk about that more later. So, you know, I, I, so a little bit of diversions, a little more into discussions of hymnal projects and um, uh, selections of materials for that. Um, but as far as the uh, teaching, I was the, a bit, uh, what uh, my friends, the Schultes, who are deployed in uh, Brazzaville on our Franco-African team, uh, they called me the canary in the coal mine because I was the, <laughs> the first to go back. I was, uh, um, I was ready to get back to the to the teaching because there's, there's a lot of um, the nature of music is such. I need really it's most effective if I'm in the same room and I'm working with a group of people and we're singing together. And so I wanted to get back as soon as possible. And I'm I'm pleased to be back to uh, to my regular you know heading out there about every four months and you know spending time uh, three or four weeks at a time teaching. So I um, got to go back and uh, went to Congo, which is where we have a really good beachhead. I'll, I can talk more about beachheads and mission strategy there. Uh, while my call is to uh, a large region, the focus is on um, areas where we have concentrations of talent and interest and uh, where people can come and, and grow. So we have these flagships, one of which is Paroisse Wittenberg and Pointe Noire, which I can also unpackage a little more. But anyway, I was able to teach in Brazzaville and also then uh, hop on a bus. Uh, do, we, do, we, do, we, do we dare tell you know, fun COVID stories with our, with our time <laughs> here? I don't know. But, uh, the, uh, I, I will say this as far as the impact. Uh, it was interesting to land in Africa. The, um, the journey there is certainly very COVID sensitive. Uh, in Paris, I was informed that uh, 
that uh, my mask that I was wearing at the time, it isn't this one, it's actually a blue one made by the proper cloth people that has a little filter in. Uh, and I was told uh, by the uh, gracious hostess on the, on the Air France flight that uh, I could not wear that in, uh, in the Paris airport. She had to give me a medical mask because, I, but she was so nice. She goes, but, but mine was plus chic. You know, mine was much, much cooler, you know, unfortunately <laughs> I couldn't wear that. So uh, anyway, I get to Congo and it's the same thing in the airport. And then once you get out of the airport, uh, a few people have them around their necks. And what you learn is that if there are the, the police or the military, they will, they will stick the masks up in front of their, their mouths and nose, but otherwise it's pretty much ignored. Uh, so you have this bus. So I have this uh, 10 hour bus ride from Brazzaville to Pointe Noire. And um, we get on the bus and we're, we're tootling along. Uh, and the porter who, um, so it's, you have a driver, but then you have like a porter who oversees and handles, you know, checking tickets and all this kind of stuff, like an old fashioned train. Um, um, kind of a cool thing too. He, uh, both, both, both journeys begins with a Christian prayer in the name of Jesus, you know, and it's, 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 you know, Paco is by the heart and you know, he prays for all the people and, and their relatives and the driver and the safety, you know, and, you know, de Jesus Christ, you know, and that's, uh, everybody says an amen and, uh, um, things you don't, you know, you don't encounter in the United States anymore. And, um, so anyway, about an hour in, uh, we're approaching one of the military checkpoints. They've had civil war in Republic of Congo back in 97. There's still some guerrilla activity in the pool region, which we have to drive through to get to Pointe Noire. And uh, so there's about seven military checkpoints along the way. And as we're approaching the checkpoint, so this is not a checkpoint for COVID at all. It's just the military. He gets up and he says very sternly, you know, totally traditionally, la porte des masques est obligatoire dans la République du Congo. The wearing of masks is obligatory in the Republic of Congo. And everybody puts their masks on. And um, we go past the checkpoint and then I, you know, and the soldier isn't really checking us for masks, but he, he looks over the bus and he sees it's the Stellamac bus. And then he kind of, with his rifle, he waves us on and we go. And then the same porter then dramatically, I wish we were on TV right now. I'll just have to do the gesture for Andy here. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he just, um, he, he, he then dramatically with a flourish takes his mask off and everybody else takes their mask off. And then one hour later, we go through the same routine. <laughs> Goodness. Tell us about the, the, the music. Yes, uh, that's why I'm here. The, the, we got to hear a little bit of a piece that sounded very familiar. The, the, the tune sounded much like a morning star, a fair and bright. And that's uh, exactly what it was. Au Christ étoile du matin. Yes. Very good. And we get to hear a little bit more in just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about this piece and uh, teaching this while you were there. Well, uh, that is actually um, a piece that some of the people in the workshop uh, who are uh, pastors had learned at seminary. So we definitely want to thank uh, my partners in this ongoing work. I, I've been teaching in Africa for 10 years, and the work was greatly uh, aided and accelerated by Jacob Galgert, who's on our Franco-African team, and Michael Wildauer, who taught at our seminary, or the seminary, uh, Togo Church's Seminary, and Dapong for many years. And so with a, um, that certainly uh, you know moved the ball forward. But what I did with this workshop is we had uh, people from three or four parishes who were there, many of them who did not know this hymn. So I had the help of others uh, in teaching. And what we focused on is um, learning the hymn by heart. In most situations in Africa, the vast, vast majority, 99%, the worshipers don't have hymnals. And um, I'm actually pushing this here in the United States. I have uh, an article coming out in the Reformation uh, edition of Logia magazine where I talk about this more at length. But uh, suffice it to say, it is better to know 40 good hymns 
well than to be able to read and sing 400 hymns out of a book. Uh, I'm blessed to be at a congregation that's highly literate. I love the fact that at Village we sing anything out of the LSB and we can sing it well because of our level of literacy and music education. That's a great blessing. I'm not advocating taking that away from people who are at that level. Uh, but at the same time, even for uh, my, my fellow Missouri Synod Lutherans who are at that level here in the United States, I am a little concerned that someone at a congregational voters meeting can't say, let's sing Salvation Unto Us Has Come, and everybody can't sing even the first stanza because they're not looking at ink. And would that we be able to sing God Our Father Be Our Stay, like we sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game or Happy Birthday. And I don't think it's too much to ask because think about how you know teenagers or most of ourselves and our young could sing 100 pages worth of pop music. Um, so what we worked on and didn't really take that long is we memorized uh, the first and the fourth stanzas, which is a key uh, theological stanza in the French hymnal. And um, so those who already knew it had some work to do because they they went they learned it par cœur by heart. Um, and um, you know the people got it down, and then we added some percussion, and then I made the recording. And so that's what I'm sharing. Hmm, wonderful. We'll share a little bit of that here. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Notre Père qui es au
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. So the piece we heard coming back. Yes, it is a variation of uh, the Lord's Prayer that is found in the French hymnal, but it was uh, taken and adapted and changed um, and kind of made their own, which is uh, what we call contextualization. Um, nobody can really copyright a, a, a formula tone for chanting because uh, it'd be like copywriting a chord progression. So if uh, uh, you can't copyright the blues, for example, otherwise there would be just this famously rich African-American family in Kansas City or something, you know, so it's just a series of, you know, so you, you, so you have a, this formula, but what they, what they did, and it's just so inspiring, is they, they embellished it and then they, uh, they added some dynamics and uh, a little harmony and um, they, uh, I think it was the second Sunday that I was at Paroisse Wittenberg and it was coming and I, uh, it's like, oh, I got to pull out my phone and record this. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a good example. I wanted to share this because many people have heard African music and African singing and are inspired by the uh, robust uh, singing, the simple harmonies uh, and, uh, and the rhythmic vitality with the, with the percussion instruments. And so there's a bit of a stereotype that all African music is this way, but they also have ballads, folk ballads uh, by which telling stories and also like this, just acapella singing and chanting. So just wanted to give a fuller picture of what worship is like in a African parish. Tell us more about the the legacy of this music as as you keep going back uh, teaching people in one location and they go on to teach other people in other locations. Is there is there music that uh, exemplifies this this legacy that is now being passed on from people to people? Yes, that is that is exactly what motivates me. Um, because uh, I see uh, things bearing fruit and, and seeing things happen. Uh, so at a more profound level than what we have with Etoile du Matin or, or, or Morning Star, How Fair and Bright, um, was uh, the next clip that we're going to play, uh, Comment Celestre Maître, which is uh, the Gerhardt hymn, O Lord, How Shall I Meet Thee? Comment Celeste Maître Um, it's Lent, and I was a bit surprised that at Matins one morning, this, at, this, at the parish that I was at, they have Matins and Vespers every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, at Matins, they, um, they, uh, the preacher um, um, chose uh, this hymn, and at first I was like, oh, Advent hymn. Oh, wait, but, but it worked with his, his message for the day, but I was like blown away by how well everybody sang it. And so after the service before I start teaching, I asked, well, how do you, how do you know this hymn? And Albert Kutia, who used to direct the uh, seminary in Dapong, Togo, he looked at me and said, you taught it to me in 2015. <laughs> and I was like, well, how cool is this? So you went home when you retired and 
you taught it to your parish, and you taught it to Pastor Joseph, who taught it to this parish, and there are these other people from Chris Loire who are here, and they knew it. I could tell everybody knew this hymn. So I did not have to teach this to you. Um, and I was like, can we make a recording of this? Oh, yeah, sure. So so they sang it. They sang two. So I asked for two stanzas, and they sang two stanzas uh, again uh, you know, for me in the recording. Uh, this is the the kind of thing that just makes my day <laughs> when I when I encounter these these kind of moments. I had a similar one in Togo, where um, right before the pandemic, I was teaching in Togo, and at the workshop that I was at, uh, I'm going up to breakfast this morning. It's like the first or second day that I was there, and this young man who's a seminarian, he goes Magnus, and I'm like, you know, look around, Magnus, and um, I'm like, do I know you? You know, and he, I didn't recognize him. Well, he had gone. He this was 20, yeah. He had gone to my workshop in 2015, uh, first time I was in the country. And no, 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 second time. He went. He went in 2017. That's right. And he was a youth leader at the time, and he learned the setting of the Gloria that I had um, taken, adapted from the French hymnal. The one in the French hymnal had had a key change and a couple of quirks that just weren't going to work without an organ, and it was a little too Western. And so I worked with a choir director at St. Augustine uh, Parish in Brazzaville, and we have this Africanized, um, more just a little more repetitious and a little more rhythmic and a little more chant-like a version of the Gloria, which works really well there. And um, I taught it uh, to him. Well, he announced to me that they know two Glorias in his parish. And the pastor always announces whether they're going to sing the Gloria du Recueil, the one from the hymnal, or if they're going to sing the uh, Gloria à la Magnus. <laughs> and so w- whenever the pastor m- announces they're going to sing the Gloria à la Magnus, they sing the one that I put together. <laughs> and... Uh, and I'm like, well, that's really cool. And I, so I got to meet his name is Francois, Jean-Francois. And I said, well, I'm going to be teaching it at this workshop and you can help me teach this. So I made a recording of him uh, singing it first for the class. Oral tradition, um, so strong. There was only one note that was changed in the entire setting. And I was just amazed and inspired. And so, so it's something like that, to be able to teach uh, the, the glory to God in the highest uh, through composed canticle. And then know that this person took it to heart so well that he taught it to his parish, and now it's used regularly at a at a small church in a village outside Dapong, Togo. Share with us a little bit about. Uh, there's one more piece that we'd like to hear about, and this is particularly a a great piece for teaching. Yes. Uh, share with us about that, and we'll share just a little clip from it as well. Wonderful. It was you were asked. Uh, Sarah asked a really good question earlier about uh, how the work was um, affected by the pandemic. Uh, certainly the idea of writing catechism songs in French was in the back of my mind and there'd been some discussion, but this really got accelerated when I'm looking at, well, what can I do when I can't make trips? And so uh, Jade Ben uh, Talansi, actually he's Benjamin, Jade Ben is, um, uh, I, anyway, it's, it's a nickname, I'll just say that. Um, and um, um, he speaks French very well, uh, but it's obviously, you know, it's an Africanized French. So he, uh, he, I had him send me via WhatsApp uh, recordings of him speaking the catechism and speaking, well, we, we're just working on the commandments right now, but speaking the Ten Commandments and their meanings and doing it several times so I can listen. And then I, I muse on this, the, the rhythms of his speech. And then I uh, listen uh, when I go for walks or work out. 
uh, when I'm getting ready to work on this project, listen to African music, uh, including Afropop from, uh, from Brazzaville and from Cote d'Ivoire. And uh, just to kind of get my mind in that mind frame. And then, um, you know, I try to create. Okay. And I realize, you know, that I am creating something that is for a different culture. And whereas the hymns, it's texts and melodies, and they're more established and they're more small C Catholic, universal around the world. And they, they take them and they fashion them in accompaniments. To write songs is, um, as a, as a, as a, is a, is a bit of a harder cross-cultural task. So I, I try to collaborate and trying to collaborate more closely. So this last trip, I, I went with uh, just my first commandment song, uh, which, you know, I've, I've you know, finished and written out and um, practiced. And the, the problem with the first commandment song for, for me is because it, it, it is very much thinking of African singing it in my, my full arrangement. It was a little hard for me to sing and play at the same time. And of course, you want it to where you can just sing it anyway and just have some drums. But rhythmically, it's it's the conception is just a, a little bit outside for um, um, you know I can do it, but it, it takes a lot of effort. So anyway, um, uh, the, the 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 slang in, among the Kituba and Lingala for a white man is I'm, I'm a Mundele, okay, <laughs> a Mundele or Mundele, depending whether you're Kituba or Lingala. And so um, I come in with uh, some humility as a Mundele trying to write these songs for them. So uh, I wanted to. To go ahead and try this out and see how they how they liked it, and much to my uh, to joy, um, uh, Kuchia added this little introductory rhythm, and then we kind of layered things on, and then we added a repetition of a section. But the melody and the rhythmic concept was uh, just perfect, and they loved it. And then Pastor Gustav wanted me to teach it to his people in uh, Brazzaville upon my return, and uh, so so there's a recording you're gonna have. This is the first commandment and its meeting uh, on uh, français. Uh, according to the realities of African music, or like we say in French, sur la réalité de la musique africaine. Yeah. 
mentioned your newsletter. What are the ways that we can follow your work or, or stay in touch with what you're doing or support the work that you're doing in Africa? Um, the work that I am doing is uh, you can, there's a Facebook group, Philip Magnus in Africa, and also I work with Mission Central. So if you go to the Mission Central uh, website and then uh, go to Mission Central forward slash Magnus or just look up my name on their site. Uh, all my newsletters are there. So you can get them on Facebook. You can get them or you can uh, reach out to me at philip.magnus at lcms.org and I'll put you on the mailing list and you can get them directly via MailChimp. That's Philip with two L's. Yes. And Magnus with two S's. Very good. <laughs> we'll provide some uh, some links in the, the notes from today's program as well. Thanks so much for being our guest in the coffee hour. I'm Bye. Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golset. <laughs> Yeah.